Hello, Eugenie here. Today, we are speaking with Ananda Moore, a homeopath in Toronto, Canada, and also the filmmaker of the homeopathy documentary Magic Pills, Promise or Placebo. Ananda is dedicated to her patients, to her own continuing education, and to supporting and building the homeopathic community. After graduating with honours from the Ontario College of Homeopathic Medicine in 2005, she studied with Sunil Anand in India and volunteered at a homeopathic hospital in Chennai, India. She's also completed a three-year post-grad program with Louis Klein, as well as studying with many other internationally known homeopaths. She also has a 11-month online course, which she offers to home users of homeopathy to empower them with the skills of home prescribing for their family and friends. In the past, she has also served as a board member of the Ontario Homeopathic Association and on the Council of the College of Homeopathy of Ontario. She's also the co-owner of Riverdale Homeopathy in Toronto, which supplies remedies to their clients all across Canada and America. Take this round-the-world trip with us today as we travel virtually with Ananda to all the interesting places she visited to learn more about homeopathy and the impact it's having worldwide. And remember to check out her documentary online, Magic Pills, Promise or Placebo, at www.magicpillsmovie.com. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Homeopathy Hangout Podcast, where we discuss all things homeopathy from around the world. And now, your host, Eugenie Kruger. Hello, everyone, and a very warm welcome to Homeopathy Hangouts. Today, we are hanging out with homeopath, filmmaker, and educator Ananda Moore, all the way from Ontario. Welcome. Thank you so much, Eugenie. It's a pleasure to be here. It's so lovely to have you. So, um, Ananda is the filmmaker, producer, director. I think you had all the caps on for that one. Hey, of the amazing homeopathic documentary, Magic Pills, Promise or Placebo. Just before we dive into the movie a bit more, can you tell us how you got into homeopathy in the first place? Yeah, I was very skeptical of homeopathy. I originally learned about it in a class in university and the course was on witchcraft and the occult, which tells you something about how they were looking at this. And our professor was a skeptic, and he loved to talk about how to think about strange and weird things. I still have the textbook from that class, which was titled How to Think About uh, about Weird Things. I think it was something like that. <laughs> and that's where we learned about homeopathy. And it seemed absurd to me, completely absurd. How is it possible that people can believe that taking sugar pills with nothing in them is going to do anything? And I was shocked. And I held this with me for a long time. Then I was traveling in India and a friend that I was traveling with, German girl, her mom was a homeopath. She traveled with her little kit and one day I got really sick, and I, yeah, I won't give details. It was a stomach bug, so you can imagine. <laughs> and she pulls out her little kit, says, here, try some of this. And I didn't want to offend her. I didn't assume it would do anything. I took some of her little pills. Looking back, it was probably arsenicum or veratrum. Mm-hmm. And after 15 minutes, I started to feel way better. And I started thinking about it and it started ruminating in my head and then I went to see a homeopath in India who helped me with what had been a lifelong depression up to that point 
and it really changed my life and I wanted to do something meaningful. And I just knew from that moment, that's what I wanted to do. Amazing. So what were you studying originally? I was studying, I started with drama and I did mm-hmm. religious studies as well. And then I, my intention was to go to law school. So I had finished my LSATs. I had rocked them. I was starting to apply to schools. And then homeopathy, like, <laughs> derailed all that. <laughs> I love it. What an amazing story. And um, then how did your path go on from there to end up making the movie Magic Pills? So years later, after homeopathic college, and I own a store in Toronto with my business partner, David, it's called Riverdale Homeopathy. And we sell remedies, books, courses, we have a clinic. And over the years of working there and working with the different associations, homeopathic associations, it became so clear to me that the media was incredibly biased and unfair and painted a very one-sided position when it came to homeopathy. I got interviewed for a couple of major publications here in Canada, and I was just shocked when they lied about the data I I gave them and the things I said. And I felt that I needed to give homeopathy a voice. And that's what got me started. As well, I attended a conference. We were selling books. Riverdale Homeopathy always has this little book stand at the conferences (laughs) here in Toronto. And not a homeopath, an immunologist from Cuba stood up and presented on how they stopped a huge epidemic in Cuba in only two weeks using homeopathy. And I thought, This should be front page news. Everybody needs to hear about this. And that's what really got the ball rolling for me and the the need to put that information out there for people. Was that Dr. Bracho? That was Dr. Bracho. Oh, my gosh. And I was the same when I found out about that because there were millions of people involved in this and homeopathy had such a dramatic success rate Mm -hmm. with their leptospirosis outbreak. And we've had Dr. Isaac Golden on the podcast as well, but I feel like you, why is this not front page news? We're not talking hundreds of people or thousands of people. We're talking millions of people. And that turned out to be just the tip of the iceberg. I later also went to India and discovered that they had done a homeoprophylaxis campaign in southern India and Andhra Pradesh, and they gave 20 million children every year remedies for Japanese encephalitis, and they almost eradicated the disease. Wow. At a fraction of the cost of the cost. And that that vaccine for Japanese encephalitis is not very effective, and it's very expensive. So the government of India never even considered it. But the homeopathy was a whole other thing. And and they've embraced it over and over again in India as a prophylactic. Why do you think places like Cuba and India are open to these methods and immunizing homeopathically millions of people? And here in Australia, I'm guessing in Canada, maybe not so much. (laughs) What do you think the difference is? We're not legally allowed to say that we can immunize anyone. Mm. They've, been, they've made that very clear here. Over here so as well. I think Cuba and India have slightly different histories, but yeah. they've both really embraced 
alternative medicine and natural medicine. It's been a part of their histories. India, I don't know what year, but homeopathy came to India. Someone healed a king. And after that, it spread like wildfire and had so much support. Mm-hmm. And they've always had homeopathic hospitals, proper medical homeopathic education system. Mm-hmm. And they even have now a ministry of Ayush, which is a ministry of natural medicine and Indian mm-hmm. medicine, as they call it. And the A is Ayurveda, Y is yoga, U is Umayi, and the H is homeopathy. And that means that there's money, there's research, there's work that's gone into supporting homeopathy. India also has a really strong history of defending itself against the pharmaceutical industry. Mm -hmm. So I think it was uh, an ideal ground for it there. Cuba, with all the trade embargoes, they really embraced natural medicine. And it was part of their military development. It was part of their national health care strategy. And there was never a bias against it. When Bracho went to publish his work, he was shocked that all the medical journals that had never refused him before suddenly did not want to publish anything. They didn't want anything to do with homeopathy. And that's when they started to try to discredit what the Cubans mm. did as well. They, yeah, we see that story over and over again when something good comes out that can really help people that's natural and safe and effective it just gets squashed and yeah people who are highly regarded scientists just suddenly not able to have their work published and Dr. Bratch is not even a homeopath he's actually a medical immunologist so that's the joke of all of this he's not even a homeopath so tell, tell us a little bit more, Nanda, about why you then decided to make the movie and just your journey through all of that. Let's pretend that people listening to this have never seen the movie before and let's give them a little bit of a rundown on uh, what they can expect with this movie and uh, why it's such a good watch. Thank you. I told the story of how I came to want to make the film and the idea ruminated in my head for a while And then I reached out to Dr. Bracho in Cuba and asked if I could come make a documentary about the work they'd been doing. And he said yes. And I later found out that he had said no to others in the past. So he trusted me. And then that felt like a huge responsibility I had to tell the story. So that's where that journey started. And Cuba was the first story we filmed and we considered And what happened in Cuba, as you were saying, was that there was a leptospirosis epidemic. And at the time, let me go back a step. They were actually starting to do research into homeopathy at the Finley Institute. And the Finley Institute is a pharmaceutical company that's dedicated to disease prevention. And it's Fidel Castro's baby. He built this place. He designed it. It was, he lived really close by. It was really important for him to prevent disease in the country. And they weren't that biased about anything. At one point, the, they developed a vaccine against uh, meningococcal meningitis B at a time that was killing a lot of children in Cuba. And this vaccine went to all of Latin America. And looking at their results, they found that in Brazil, their vaccine, there's a one area of Brazil where their vaccine was way more effective and had way less side effects. 
and Dr. Concepcion Campa. She was the director of the Finley Institute. She tried to figure out why, what's going on, and no one would tell her. Finally, someone you know whispered in her ear, we used homeopathy here. And what they did was that they made a, va- a homeopathic remedy from the vaccine, and they were giving people homeopathics for the disease. And so they had less side effects, and the vaccine became much more efficacious. And she got really interested, and she started a whole program to investigate homeopathy and what it was and how it could help. Three hurricanes in 2017, no, the year before, they had really strong storms, and they had flooding, and this disease leptospirosis, it's a bacteria, it's a spirochete, and it spreads through standing water. Actually, it was 2007. When you have a tropical storm, a hurricane come through, it destroys people's homes, they cannot avoid that standing water, and it can cross through the slightest abrasion in the skin. And it's it can kill up to 10% of people who get it. So it's quite deadly, and it's It's hard to diagnose. It can look like dengue fever. It can look like a lot of other diseases. And it's a big problem. Everyone in Cuba knows what leptospirosis is. So they decided, because they didn't have enough vaccine to go around, and they are the only pharmaceutical company in the world that makes a human vaccine for leptospirosis, they decided to try homeopathy. They had an emergency on their hands. So within two weeks, they got remedies to almost 2 million people. And in the following weeks, it grew to 2.3 million people. And within two weeks, the cases of leptospirosis had gone below historical levels in that area. And they were amazed. The next year, they also did continued with the campaign and the next potency of the remedy. And then... Hurricanes hit the entire country. It was one of the worst years on record for Cuba with hurricanes. And this helped create a control group. So we had three provinces that are called the intervened area. And we have the rest of the country. And in the intervened area, the cases stayed below historical levels. And in the other, the rest of the country, they were up 20, 30%. So we have a control, we have the group, and those levels stayed that low for a long time. And I thought that was such an important story to tell. And it's so beautiful in the film because we have footage of the hurricanes. We have people telling us what they lived through and what it was like. Mm. And the miracle that homeopathy saved so many lives. Mm. And we were able to follow up on that. And they replicated that data over and over again. Wow. The first time I heard that story was an interview on YouTube with Dr. Bracho and, and Isa Golden, and they were sitting in a little hotel room there in, in Cuba with a little back, blue background wall, and t- them telling this story, and my mind just being blown, like, how is this not blasted all over the media? So thank you so much for telling this story. My pleasure. I would um, love if you can share some more because you've got some, you've got such good stuff in this documentary and the Banerjee's, they are so amazing. I would love if you could share a bit about your trip to India as well. Yeah. India is such a, it was, it's one of my favorite countries to visit in the world. And I'd never been to Calcutta, but they're Banerjee's, they're, uh, they were a father and son. Unfortunately, they've both passed since the making of the, of the documentary, but Their work continues. They had many students. 
And Dr. Prasanta, the father, over time developed these protocols. So it's very different from classical homeopathy, and not all homeopaths agree with this methodology, but I I believe you have to go with what works. And they became very famous for their brain tumor protocol, specifically because they were so effective and still are. And people come from all over the, the continent, the subcontinent. And the, there's about a thousand people every day who line up outside the clinic to be seen by one of the doctors or their students. And these doctors, they spend five minutes with a patient. It really is protocols. You have a brain tumor. These are the two remedies you take. And we see how you do. But there's also a level of individualization that a lot of homeopaths don't realize. They look at the symptom picture and they add different remedies to help with different symptoms that they're experiencing. And they have protocols for all kinds of other diseases, but the most effective ones are for brain tumors. So we, through this process, I also met one of their patients, Mr. Tapas Raha, who was really on his deathbed. He was on so much chemo that he'd lost the ability to walk and to take care of himself. And he finally said, no more chemo, this is killing me. And he went to the Banerjee's and they came and took care of him. We're still in touch to this day. And he's doing wow, really well. He really? Walks, he gets around. He's able to, he travels and he's become a huge advocate for homeopathy, particularly in the treatment of brain tumors. I've got goosebumps all over. <laughs> that is amazing. <gasps> wow. Because that just, you know, sounds like a death sentence to so many people. And now you're telling us he's traveling around and, oh, that's amazing. Absolutely amazing. And yeah, and that- in a death sentence, there's a very low survival rate from glioblastoma. And the Banerjee's have over 80% success in that treat- in the treatment of that disease. So it's really mm. meaningful. And, yeah, it's really sad that we can't bring this to more people. And if you're seeing a thousand patients a day, you're going to get pretty damn good at what you're doing and know what you're talking about. And us as homeopaths are so lucky to have the Banerjee's have released a book with their protocols. And I use it often in my clinic. If I'm getting stuck in a case, I will often open up my Banerjee protocols book and get some things out of there. And they have got protocols and they're not just for cancer, but all sorts of other things, constipation, even him. I'm just trying to think of what else. (laughs) Oh, I've got a client who's got uh, idiopathic thrombocytopenia and yeah just happened to find a protocol for her in that book so it's a brilliant book and I hope more homeopaths use it because it might be a very far cry from classical homeopathy but at the end of the day if it works that's all that matters is helping our clients exactly exactly Mm. I think we have a lot of homeopaths who like to stick to their haunches around this is how you practice this is not how you practice that's not homeopathy and Really, we know very little of what homeopathy can encompass and how it works. And so it's important for us to investigate every nook and cranny. And what was really amazing when I was at the clinic was they give me free range. I could go anywhere I wanted. I could look at anything. I could talk to anyone. No one was looking over my shoulder. And every patient I talked to was getting better. And isn't that what matters? That's so amazing, hey? 
Now, your journey did not end there. You had uh, several trips, but one of them that I'm super interested in is homeopathy for health in Africa. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, so two brilliant homeopaths, Jeremy Sher, who's one of the biggest teachers in our community, mm-hmm. and Camilla Sher, started this organization in Tanzania. Jeremy had some really interesting experience in the Western world treating HIV and AIDS. And he, having grown up in Africa himself, felt he wanted to go back and see if he could actually have an impact on HIV AIDS in Africa. So they up and moved their entire family to Tanzania and created this organization and they see patients all over the country. They go, particularly what I found very interesting is they go to the Maasai villages where they're the only healthcare providers who these people ever see. And they treat everything. They're not just treating HIV AIDS, for which their results are incredible, and they've really kept track of everything that's going on there. But they're treating brain tumors, diabetes, like anything that people are coming are, are coming down with or are getting mm-hmm. sick from in areas where they have zero access to healthcare. So what they've done is really vital to that community. And they're also teaching locals so that they can start uh, doing this for their own communities as well. Oh, that's beautiful. And that story that you had in the movie about the how the woman gets ostracized if they have AIDS. And it's just so heartbreaking Yeah, they have to go through. Yeah, the AIDS widows, it's a huge issue. And what happens is that the woman's husband dies and she gets blamed Mm. for giving him AIDS Mm. and she often gets it from her husband so now she's sick her family ostracizes them kicks them out of the house takes away the furniture takes away everything Mm. and now they have to raise the children on their own and they're ill it's just unthinkable hey so the difference homeopathy for health in Africa has made is incredible and if anyone wants to support them, their website is, you just do a Google search for homeopathy for health in Africa. And I think it's a really worthwhile cause. You must have been reading my mind. I was just about to put that in there. And there's a homeopathic pharmacy here in uh, in Australia. Where I forgot where I was for a second. <laughs> You've taken me on this journey. I forgot what country I was in here in Australia. And um, because I've been buying so many remedies from them, they sent me a Christmas gift. And my Christmas gift was a donation to Homeopathy for Health in Africa on my behalf. And I was like, that is the best oh. Christmas gift anyone could have given me. So if you're looking for a good Christmas gift for your homeopath, please buy them a donation to Homeopathy for Health in Africa in their name. <laughs> And also buy them a copy of the Magic Pills DVD. (laughs) I love that. That's amazing. That's great, eh? I thought that was lovely. So feel that. (laughs) Yeah, you should. (laughs) So how long has this journey taken you in total? Like how long did it take you to make this movie? And hang on, you're not a trained filmmaker, right? No, I do have a degree in drama, so but Mm -hmm. I was very much focused on theater for all Mm -hmm. that time. And I thought Ah, storytelling, same, and it was very different. But yeah, I didn't know the first thing about filmmaking. I started working with a recent film school graduate, and we did our first trip to Cuba together. And I slowly learned 
I did a lot of courses. I joined the Documentary Organization of Canada. I did a a course on directing documentary and slowly I started learning and learning on the job as well. So I feel like I got a little mini degree. Yeah. (laughs) Apprenticeship, of course. Yeah. And how long did the movie take you in total? It took seven years to make. Oh, wow. And then there's the marketing and the distribution of Mm. the film, which is still ongoing. That's some serious tenacity to keep going for that long. So tell us a bit more, Ananda, about how this movie has influenced your life and how has it changed your life and what has it meant for you in the last four years since it's come out? I think one of the most important things it did for me was give me certainty in the fact that homeopathy does work. I sometimes have my doubts. I might see really cool things in my clinic happen, but I'd always question, oh, maybe it was the chiropractor they went to see, or maybe it was this and that. And I really went out making this film with the true question in my heart, does homeopathy really work? And I am 100% convinced that homeopathy is effective and that it works and that it has a huge place in the world of healthcare and can make a big difference. Mm. So that, that for me, that certainty gives me confidence and it's, it's been really meaningful for me. I've also become very connected with the homeopathic community, been able to do grassroots activism and through my mailing list, really bring people together. We've had a lot of important actions happening in the U.S. recently with the FDA really wanting to basically make homeopathy illegal. And we're able to bring people together, uh, let them know when there's a petition to sign a letter to, and activate people, let them know what's going on. And that's been really important to me. Mm-hmm. And that was you- my goal from the beginning, to not just educate, but also mobilize people to act to make sure that we can have continued access to homeopathy in the world. Mm, absolutely. What can you maybe tell our listeners a bit, little bit more about what's going on in, in United States and the mm-hmm. FDA and what's happening there? So the FDA put out a draft guidance document that when read very carefully basically states that because homeopathy was grandfathered in. And just to give a background on that, the FDA was started by a homeopath, actually. And they made sure that homeopathy, because it is safe, it's non-toxic, there is no danger from homeopathy, there's no reason for it to be unavailable in the U.S. And so the FDA was really formed to make sure that dangerous products were not were used appropriately when needed and were not and the public was not exposed to them. So suddenly out of nowhere the FDA decides that homeopathy homeopathic remedies are a new drug and that they are therefore not approved by the FDA and they have to go through the whole new drug application process which is very expensive around 3 million dollars per homeopathic remedy. And then you have to go through clinical trial process, which isn't 
effective for homeopathy. That clinical trial process works for allopathic medications because mm. it looks at one, one pathology, one symptom, and the effect of that remedy on that one pathology, mm. where homeopathy has an aspect of individualization. Mm. And you can have five people with the flu and all of them will need a different remedy. So it's not, it doesn't work that way to study it clinically. And it really impedes the possibility of homeopathy continuing. On top of that, they started fabricating reports about homeopathy being toxic, particularly in Highland's teething tabs, when it actually wasn't. And there, when you when there was a freedom of information request done on the data that claimed that people were sick, it became incredibly apparent that it had all been fabricated or collected inappropriately. So for example, a child had supposedly died from the remedy that they had taken six months ago, and they were missing a kidney, and there were all these health birth defects. And that was counted as a death from wow tablets. Oh my gosh, I did not know that part of the story. I knew about the Highland tablets and I saw they had Belladonna in there in a 12X. And I was like, yeah, it's still got none of the, I think past a 6C, it's got none of the physical yeah, substance in it. And I thought- It's yeah. But so, it's so minute that they would need like 60 boxes of this stuff uh, to consume at once to have any kind of toxic effect. It's so infuriating, eh? Yeah. The other thing they found was that there was a lot of replication. So there weren't, I can't remember, they said 8,000 incidents of adverse reactions. There weren't. It turned out there were a few hundred- which were also, they didn't quite fit, but they were replicated mm. in different ways to make it look like there were so many. Now, don't take those numbers to heart. Yeah. I can't remember <laughs> the exact numbers. But it it was horrifying what they did to Highlands based on I'm, nothing. I'm glad to see Highlands are still going because their website's still up and I see they now have a teething formula and it says no Belladonna on it. <laughs> yes. It's just, it just sounds crazy. I mean, you couldn't make this stuff up, right? Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's insane. And so mm. just to continue with the FDA story, mm. they they created this draft guidance document that was on the verge of making homeopathy illegal. And the homeopathic community in the U.S. is a little bit divided. They were having a hard time coming together. And the Homeopathic Pharmaceutical Association mm. didn't want to stand up against the FDA. They wanted to work with them. They thought it could all work out. It'll be Okay. And they didn't want to scare any of their retailers. Mm. So they just went along with the FDA story. And then this woman, this mother, Paula Brown, rose up from the ashes and said, there is no way I need homeopathy. That's how I treat my children. That's what helped me when she had interstitial cystitis, which is extraordinarily mm. painful. Her doctor was handing her over a flyer that said where she could find support groups for the drug addiction, the opioid addiction she would have for taking the drugs to treat this condition. And she thought to herself, there's no way, there's no way I'm going to go through that. And she went to see a homeopath and it worked. Amazing. So there was no way she was going to allow that to disappear from her life. And she joined other mothers and they created an organization called Americans for Homeopathy Choice, which really galvanized the homeopathic community. And the FDA still has not managed to pass this draft guidance. 
they're still trying and now Paola and the organization have the support of different Congress people mm. and what senators, I believe. So they've come a long way and uh, it's another organization. If people want to donate, yes. please do. Can you just say their organization name again? Yes. Americans for Homeopathy Choice. And their website is homeopathychoice.org. You do not mess with a mama bear. Like you do not take away her powerful, natural, effective tools to heal her children. You just do not go there. And that's why my mission is to educate as many mums as possible about homeopathy because mothers are powerful. And when we stand together, we can achieve incredible things. And like Paula homeschools her children and she's got a busy practice and she's running this organization. Same with you doing this movie while raising your daughter, while having a clinic. Don't mess with us mums. No. <laughs> get it out there. Yeah, now, right. speaking of all the things that you're doing, you also have Riverdale Homeopathic uh, Clinic. So tell us a little bit about what you do there and how that got going. And yeah, do yeah that. it's uh, really, for me, it's a hub for homeopathy, for everything homeopathic in Canada. And we do also serve the US. And sometimes we can get remedies to far off places, but we try mm -hmm. not to too often. Mm -hmm. And we get remedy, if you're looking for a remedy, we'll do our best to get it for you. We also have sell homeopathic books and we don't have any courses right now, but we've done a lot of courses in the past and we have a clinic and it's my second home. I love the people we work with. I love uh, that we serve the community in that way. It's a hub, as I said, mm. and I, I really like it there. I'm and sure. you've got some courses coming up as well. You've got, you've got so much in the pipeline. So tell I us know. a bit about that. So I've been teaching a course and it's people are still able to sign up because it's all recorded. You can join by watching the stuff that's been recorded up to now and where's the rest is live. It's an 11 month course uh, called Homeopathy at Home. And my goal is to empower people, mostly mothers as who's attending the course, to treat their family at home. It felt in this day and age with what we're experiencing around the world that it's so important to be able to take care of your family, particularly acute, and know, understand how to apply homeopathy correctly. So I wanted to get beyond that basic introductory course or the book where you just get, oh, you're infections, here's three remedies to choose from. Mm. I wanted to empower people to understand how to prescribe the mm. basis of homeopathic theory and philosophy to enable that, to learn how to repertorize in order to choose and select a good remedy. And I think it's a very thorough course. And what's super fun about it is I've got amazing guest teachers from all over the world. So people like Camilla Sher, who oh. taught two weeks ago, a class for us, Richard Pitt. There's a whole slew of people and you're going to, people are learning about homeopathy for their animals, for their plants, mm. analyzing dreams with Dr. Christopher Sutton. Wow. So many amazing people who've joined the course along with understanding your basic materia medica, how to study remedies. The idea is that it's going to empower you to continue your lifelong learning and application of homeopathy. 
My heart is swelling and my cheeks are sore from smiling because what you are doing is so incredible to empower families to use homeopathy for themselves. And that is literally what I am all about as well, because homeopathy, yes, it is very complicated. We do have over 8,000 remedies. I studied four years full time to become a homeopath, but you can treat your family acutely at home for so many different things that you don't need to go and see a homeopath for an hour and a half consultation for. If you have cystitis, if you have a burn, if you have a bruise, you've got a sore throat, anything like that, you can treat at home yourself. And if you know the skills on how to do that, then it's really empowering. And especially in Australia, where we have lots of wide open spaces, if you're living rural or if you have pets, it can be so expensive taking them to the vet. You might just want to treat them at home yourself if you're on a tight budget. So really empowering yourself with these skills of using homeopathy at home, which by the way, my course is also cool, but it's only like an hour and a half, no. not 11 months. It's so not 11 months, just hour and a half introduction. To see hey? it's like anyone had used that name and nothing came up. <laughs> really. I actually found a podcast called Homeopathy at Home as well it's oh. in America. And, and then somebody else told me the other day, theirs is called that too, but it's got good alliteration. It rolls off the tongue nicely. Pretty obvious. <laughs> yeah. But I love that you are also about that. Uh, empowering families to use homeopathy for themselves because you can just treat your child yourself for an ear infection. You don't need to go to a homeopath for that. Yeah. Mm. No, there's such a place for homeopathy. My cat ran away for five weeks and he came home finally and skin and bones and he couldn't digest anything. And I called my homeopathic vet. She wasn't answering. She was on at a conference and this... And I was like, okay, I'm just let's just give him arsenicum and see what happens. And it, it just took one dose of arsenicum. And he stopped throwing up. He was able to hold his food down. It was so wow. beautiful. And mm-hmm. it's that easy with kids too. If you apply it correctly, it's so empowering as we said. Have you got a couple of homeopathic success stories that you want to share just towards the end here of the podcast? Oh, I, uh, how do I pick a couple? Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> I had a patient in the States who herself is an amazing home prescriber. She's been studying homeopathy forever and was treating a lot of people with COVID. And then she got it and she had given herself a few remedies. It wasn't working. So she reached out to me and we did camphora and Laura Ceresis mm-hmm. and with, and she had an oximeter. So she was measuring her oxygen. She couldn't sit up. She would start coughing and couldn't breathe. And within a few days, her oxygenation started going up. She was able to get up, do basic things. And uh, a few days later, her oxygen was up to 98%. Wow. So that was just recent. And that was a scary situation, but she refused to go to the hospital. Mm-hmm. And I think she she thought about it quite thoroughly and knew what she wanted. And I was going to support her and her mm-hmm. decisions. We are a regulated health profession here in Ontario where I live, and yet they have limited us so much in how we can promote ourselves, what we can say. We're not allowed to say we treat anything. We can't be specialized in anything. We can't treat anything. We can't have 
uh, testimonials from patients. Mm, I know, We're not so allowed right. to say anything. We're not allowed to say that we can do anything. <laughs> like somehow we've been around for over 200 years. The royals have spoken out publicly about how they use homeopathy. Gandhi, Mother Teresa, Cher, Tina Turner, the Beatle, whose name I always... Paul McCartney. Yeah. <laughs> I've all spoken out about how they use homeopathy and how successful it is, but we're not allowed to say anything about what it is that we do. So I think that's a whole other podcast or a whole other rant. Maybe once I've, <laughs> I've stopped the, the record button, we can have a little rant afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> so Ananda, I always finish up on a bit of fun before we get your links and how people can get hold of you. And that is tell me your top three remedies for you personally that you can't live without and why. <laughs> I always say arsenicum and I've done blog posts on this and I had a little competition at one point to asking people to do a little video telling us what their top remedy was. Mm. And for me, it's arsenicum. It's, I think, the most versatile remedy that we have in homeopathy. It can be applied to stomach issues, Mm. flus, asthma, respiratory stuff, anxiety. It's the remedy in my little kit that I always have to replace. Mm. So that would be one. I use a lot of calendula. Mm. It's one of my favorite remedies. Okay, I, I, I had a party, a closing party for everyone involved in the film. And I was making this big Mexican meal and I was cutting vegetables and I chopped a piece of my thumb off and I I had to rush and have this party. I went to the grocery store and I bought little strips to try to glue my thumb back on. (laughs) So I didn't go to the hospital. I didn't get stitches and it wasn't healing. For some reason, it hadn't occurred to me to put some calendula on it. I went, grabbed Mm. some calendula and by the next day it had sealed and you can't even tell that I chopped a whole piece Mm. of my thumb off. So I love calendula. And another remedy that I love. There's so many. <laughs> Lack human ah. really out there. But yeah. I think it's a really universal human remedy. Mm. And I use it very often in my practice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can you maybe yeah. say what it's made from? We have had an episode with Patricia Heatherly, so uh, people that have actually listened to this one after the other know, but tell us a little bit about Lacumanum. So Lacumanum is made from mother's milk, and we have Lac Maternum that's made from 15 mom. I can't remember the yeah, number. something like that. Mother's milks. And there's a theme of disconnection, a theme of wanting to come closer to people. And I think that feeling of disconnection is almost universal on some level for people. So I think it's a beautiful remedy. I use it all the time. It's a beautiful, and it's a very gentle remedy. Hey, I don't Mm -hmm. know if I've ever had an aggravation from it. Like I find it's such a just beautiful remedy. It's a grounding remedy. I Mm. think an aspect of it is to help people really come into themselves and come into the Mm. world. Mm. It's that first substance, that uh, second substance after colostrum that a baby That bonds a mother to its baby and the baby to the Mm. mom and also welcomes you into your body and into this world. So, Ananda, how can people get hold of you and the amazing work that you do? Where are all the places that they can find you? Yeah, I have the documentary URL is watch.magicpillsmovie.com, but I found a shorter one and you only have to go to homeo.site. Very easy, H-O-M-E-O dot S-I-T-E. 
and you will you there you can learn about the film you can uh stream it you can go to our blog you can join our mailing list and start participating in all the great work that we're doing you can also access the course there uh, so you can and you can reach out to me through the contact us page so everything's there and for Riverdale homeopathy if you're looking for remedies books just go uh, reach out to riverdalehomeopathy.com pretty simple wonderful It's been so special chatting with you today. Thank you so much for your time. And it's 10 o'clock at night where you are now. So just like huge applause for you to you for being able to speak coherently that time of night. I would be fast asleep by now. But (laughs) thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much, Eugenie. This has been a lot of fun. It's really nice connecting with you. Same. Bye. Bye. Hi, homies. I'd like to invite you to come and join me at the Homeopathy Hangout Podcast Facebook group, where we can discuss past episodes and you can help me decide on new content for the show. Also, be sure to check out my YouTube channel where you'll find my free Homeopathy at Home 30-minute introduction video, which is perfect for anyone completely new to homeopathy who's ready to take charge of their own health. Just search for Eugenie Kruger Homeopathy on YouTube. And if you'd like to support this podcast, you can make a once-off $5 donation by visiting www.buymeacoffee.com forward slash hangout. Or if you'd like to make a monthly donation, you can visit www.patron.com podbean.com forward slash homeopathy hangout and if you're in australia and you'd like to purchase one of our beautiful homeopathic kits single remedies or one of our amazing combination remedies visit www.eugeniekruger.com where you can also sign up to our newsletter so you don't miss out on any special offers and if you're interested in advertising on our show please email info at eugeniekruger.com thanks so much for listening